Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Gotta understand Walnut, Mississippi is not not huge. So he felt fine coming to a population of 7,300 here in Mount Carmel. Amen. They won't even let them have a McDonald's down there. So so he he felt quite okay to come, and we're so glad to have him. Amen. Last night, tremendous word of the Lord to stand amazed. Amen. I'm looking forward to what the Lord is gonna say tonight. Amen. Through 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 Brother Sanford. Had time to eat a bite with him today and we talked about preaching and we talked about preaching and we talked about preaching he likes to listen to preaching I like that we found the vein he asked if I did sports much I said you have to talk to my wife and so but when so he'll probably do that but uh, when you say preaching I'm all in let's talk about it amen we are glad and happy to have him amen this week amen weekend so so privileged thankful that he had opportunity or rather came and would join us here in the city of mount carmel for these revival services will you make him and the lord welcome right now with a hand clap of praise into our god amen amen why don't you give the lord some praise tonight come on why don't you put your hands together why don't you make some noise if you know he's worthy Amen. How many's glad to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. Such an honor to be in His house. Such an honor to be among His people. Amen. Amen. Such an honor to be here. And I uh, want to give honor to your leadership again. Uh, your bishop, his wife, their family, and also your pastor and his family. Thank them for the opportunity to come. And like he said, when I got into Mount Carmel, um, I felt right at home. Uh, Walnut has a population of about a thousand on a good day. And there's some people visiting. Uh, so, so this is what I'm used to. This is, this is big. But uh, it's an honor to be here with you tonight. And uh, also good to see Sister McGee. Um, I did learn that you're a Tennessee fan. And we'll leave it at that. Uh, but it's an honor to be here tonight. Amen. Anybody come expecting something great from the Lord? You know, there's such a, there's such a great atmosphere and an undercurrent of the Holy Ghost that's in this house. And, you know, if, if, it, if you're here tonight and you don't have the Holy Ghost, if you've never spoken in tongues, it's a good night to get the Holy Ghost. Anybody know it's the greatest experience you'll ever have? Amen. There's nothing like the presence of the Lord coming and living inside of you. Amen. There's nothing like it. And you can have that. That's why the Bible calls it a gift. We don't do anything to earn it. It's just given to us if we want it. Amen. You can have that tonight. I know I told the media team something, and this is not the first time I've probably made enemies with the sound room or the media team. Uh, but we may come back to that later on if the Lord permits. Uh, but 1 Peter chapter 5, if you have your Bibles. 1 Peter chapter 5. Something that 
the Lord's been dealing with me ever since I walked into the sanctuary. And uh, I believe the Lord wants to help some people tonight. Amen. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 8, something that everybody in this room is very familiar with. When Peter tells us to be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil. Now, I understand the Bible tells us not to add to nor take away from God's Word because God's Word is perfect. Everything that should be there is there. And if it's not there, it didn't need to be there. God's Word is perfect. But if we were to be honest, if we could just remove one verse out of the Bible, it would probably be that verse that's in our hearing tonight. I was in a service some time ago and asked an individual how they were doing. And their reply was this, you know, I would do a whole lot better if I didn't have to deal with the devil all the time. If I could live my life without an adversary, if I could live my life without having to deal with things, it would be so much easier. I'm sure everybody in the, the room tonight has probably thought that. Maybe you've even said that. How much easier life would be if I could live without a devil in my life? If I could live my life without an adversary, it would be easier to come to church. It'd be easier to live for God. It'd be easier to be faithful to God's house. So with that in mind tonight, I want to contradict everything that I just said. And I want to preach to us from the subject without an adversary. Without an adversary. Could we lift our hands one more time all over this room? And as our hands are lifted, why don't we open our mouth and just begin to call down the presence of the Lord. Why don't you ask the Holy Ghost to speak a clear and direct sovereign word in this room? Lord, I pray understanding would come. Lord, you would open our ears to hear what your spirit has to say. Lord, let us understand there's a reason for everything. There's a purpose for everything. Oh, in the name of Jesus, I feel the presence of the Lord in this house. Why don't you give him one more hand clap of praise all over the house? In Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. In April of 2016, a man by the name of Ed Young released an article with National Geographic stating that birds on a specific island are losing their ability to fly. He notes that before the arrival of humans, New Zealand was an idyllic haven for birds. Without ground predators posing a threat, many of the local species lost uh, their ability to fly. These birds are part of a pattern that plays out across the world's islands that wherever predators or adversaries are kept away by expansions of water, birds become flightless quickly and repeatedly. This process has happened on more than a thousand occasions uh, 
which produced the awkward dodo bird of Moritis, the clubbed wing ibis of Jamaica, and the tatty wing flightless cormorant of the Galapagos Islands. Ed Young said that the call of the ground is a strong one, and it exists even when the skies are still an option. Natalie Wright from the University of Montana demonstrated this by collecting data on 868 different species. She showed that even when island birds can still fly, they are gradually etching toward flightlessness because compared to their mainland relatives, their muscles are smaller and their legs are longer. Because without an adversary, these birds have grown accustomed to the atmosphere below rather than the atmosphere above. And across nine major groups of birds with a range of lifestyles, body shapes, and diets, Natalie Wright found a common thread among them all. On smaller islands with fewer species and no predators, birds have learned how to reallocate energy from their forelimbs to their hind limbs, creating smaller flight muscles and longer legs. To her surprise, the trend applied even to the hummingbird for whom flying is an important part of their life. Flight, we must understand, is absolutely necessary for the survival of a hummingbird. I found it interesting to note that Wright said that a flightless hummingbird is a dead hummingbird. She went on to say that it's easy to see why a diving bird like the cormorant bird might lose its ability to fly in the absence of an adversary. But she asked the question, why should a hummingbird that flies all the time have to sacrifice some of its aerial prowess? She answers her question by concluding that flight muscles come with a cost and there is a price to pay for elevation. Even at rest, larger flight muscles require more energy to maintain. Large flight muscles are especially useful when birds take off from the ground and that is the most energetically demanding part of flying and it's also the piece that is most important for escaping ground adversaries and so if adversaries were absent birds could take off at a more leisurely pace and they can afford to have smaller flight muscles because without an adversary in their life there is no urgency to be elevated above the ground. So to parallel the animal kingdom, I submit to this congregation that the spiritual kingdom must consider that without an adversary, these birds live an easy life, but they do not live an elevated life. Wright's results from her study suggested that island birds might be more vulnerable to predators than someone could have expected. And even those birds that can fly are not as good at flying as their mainland counterparts uh, that dwell among predators and adversaries. Uh, when birds who were created to fly settle uh, on islands without an adversary, uh, they quickly lose the power they need uh, to cross the ocean to find uh, a new home to habitat. Uh, ultimately, Wright concluded that islands uh, do nothing but create birds uh, that never leave the island. Uh, in other words, without an adversary, uh, these birds can never reach the level that they were created to reach. 
And so I've come tonight to preach about your adversary, the devil. The cold, hard reality is that every person in this room, whether we understand it or not, has an adversary when it comes to the devil. It is in the book of Ephesians that Paul tells us, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. The truth is every one of us live in a perpetual state of spiritual attacks. And the truth is, I've heard it said all of my life that if there were no devil, life would be easier. I've heard people by the score make the statement many times, if I did not have to constantly contend with an adversary, living for God would be easier. Going to church would be easier. Praying would be easier. Coming to revival would be easier. If I could live my life without an adversary, if I could live my life without a devil, if I didn't have to contend with this adversary, it would be so much easier. Well, I've come tonight to challenge that mindset and tell us that God did not call the church and God did not call the people in the church to live an easy life. He's called us to live an elevated life. And without an adversary, we will never get to the place that God wants us to get to. The truth is I stand in unison. I stand in unity with everybody who despises the idea of having to deal with the devil. I understand he seems like a thorn in the flesh. I understand he is a heavy cross to bear. I know that he may be that hated thing in our life. I understand he is that thing that causes some to be fearful and others to lose sleep. I understand he is that thing that causes some to be tempted and others to be weary. I understand that adversary is that thing who walks into our marriages and he walks into our children's bedroom and he walks into our ministries and he walks into our churches and he does his best to cause chaos. But hear this preacher tonight. You better be thankful there's an adversary because it's that adversary that provokes us to get closer to the God that we are dependent on. I feel my help in this house. Brother, uh, pastor, I wish we didn't have to deal with the devil. I wish we could live our life without an adversary. But I've come to learn he is a necessary evil that every one of us needs because we were not created to settle on an earthly dimension. You were created to be elevated in the spirit realm. And without an adversary, you would never get to the place that God created us to get to. Without an adversary, we wouldn't pray like we should. I'm going to preach tonight like I feel it. Without an adversary, we wouldn't worship like we should. If there were no devils, we wouldn't depend on God like we should. If we could live our life without an adversary, we would be like those birds. We would fold our wings. We would live on an island of ease. We would never live to our created purpose. But I've come to tell us again that God did not create us to live an easy life. You were created to live an elevated life. And if there was no adversary, you would never get frustrated 
frustrated. And if you are never frustrated, you will never be provoked into your destiny and into your potential and into your ministry. And so I've come to tell every individual tonight, you need an adversary. You need something that provokes you to go a little bit higher. Can I tell us the very thing that we fight with? And the very thing that we struggle with is necessary because without it, we will never unfold our wings. We will never reach the level that God created us to live in. You were created to live above and not beneath. Why do you think the children of Israel, even though they've got a taskmaster, even though they're slaves in Egypt, could make the statement, even though they afflict us, the more they afflict us, the more we multiply, and the more we grow. I understand life is hard. I understand life is a struggle. But let your adversity know, it's your affliction that causes me to go a little bit higher. It's your affliction that causes have mercy. I'm telling somebody in this house, it's because of an adversary that we can elevate to the next dimension in God. Can I tell somebody you never need to settle for less than your created purpose? We were created to live in a spiritual dimension in God's presence. But without an adversary, we would never get there. Isaac was the son of promise in whom the Abrahamic covenant would continue. But understand, before Isaac was born, Abraham had an Ishmael. We understand that Ishmael's 13 years old and the promised boy Isaac comes along. But can I just take a time out here and tell us the reason why there's an Ishmael is because Abraham and Sarah tried to force promise. Well, God hasn't answered our promise yet, our prayer yet. So let's just force this. Can I, this isn't my sermon, but can I tell somebody right here, there's something worse than waiting on God. It's not waiting on God and wishing you did wait on God because impatience always produces Ishmael's. And so the Bible says, Abraham has an Ishmael, but he also has an Isaac. We understand that Isaac is the son of promise. But not only does Abraham have a promise, he's got a problem. Ishmael is his provocation. He's his antagonist. Ishmael is the adversary. And so the Bible says when Sarah sees the conflict between promise and the problem, she says, cast him out because he's mocking my promise. Hagar does what so many of us would do in that scenario. They tried to get rid of their adversary. And so the Bible says Hagar takes the boy Ishmael, puts him under the tree, and leaves him there to die. But little did Hagar understand is that the pain that Ishmael brought could not die because the pain of Ishmael was necessary to provoke the promise of Isaac. And when she leaves that baby under the tree, God speaks to Hagar and says, lift up the lad. Elevate that boy. Pick up that thing that's causing pain. Hold him in your hands and I will make of him a great nation. God speaks to Hagar and says, elevate the adversary. Why would God? This is confuses me. 
It perplexes me because why would God say lift up the lad? Why would God tell Hagar, lift up the thing that's causing pain and hold him in your hand? Why promote the very thing that causes pain? Why elevate the very thing that's going to be an adversary to Isaac? We understand that the Arab nations would come from the loins of Ishmael and they would be a constant antagonist toward Isaac. Why not remove and get rid of the problem now? So Isaac can live an easy life. Why wouldn't God just eradicate the problem now? Why wouldn't God just eliminate the issue now? But the Bible says that God tells Hagar, lift him up. Why would God promote the thing that's causing pain? The answer is simple. God understood. This enemy is not preventing your promise. He is provoking your promise. God did not lift up Ishmael for the sake of lifting up Ishmael. He lifted up Ishmael so he could lift up Isaac. In other words, when God elevates your devil, it's going to be that same devil that elevates you into another place in the spirit. I'm telling somebody, if God doesn't remove the problem, it's about to be a stepping stone into the next dimension that God is pulling you to because without an adversary... You will never get there. When God doesn't remove it, but when God elevates it, get ready. Because there's an opportunity to use that very adversity as a stepping stone into the next place that God is calling us to. So can I tell somebody in the house, your sickness can elevate you tonight. Can I take it a step further and tell somebody uh, your discouragement uh, and your trial uh, and your battles uh, and even your adversary uh, can be the very thing that lifts you up. Uh, you're about to spread your wings uh, and you're about to go to another level uh, because without an adversary, uh, you would never get there. We would become comfortable, uh, but because there's adversity, uh, there's a potential uh, to go a little bit further in God's presence. Sarah says, get rid of him. It's what so many times we've prayed ourselves, Lord, get rid of this. Lord, take this away. Lord, why don't you just remove the problem? Why don't you get the devil off my back? It seems like he's attacking everything that I love. Can I tell somebody that if God removed it, we would never elevate. So God is letting it stay so it can lift us to a higher place. Sarah thought God was mocking, but God was motivating. If God doesn't remove the adversary, it's because he can do more through you with it than he can without it. And sometimes it takes a devil to push us to the next place. Sometimes it takes an adversary to make us to go higher and to spread our wings. I've come to tell us if there were no adversaries, we would become comfortable and we would sit on our potential and we would sit on our prayer and we would sit on our praise. Can I tell somebody in this house, you may have a present adversary, but it's the very thing that causes us to elevate. It's the very thing that causes us to go higher because without it, we would never obtain that place. If you've ever wondered how life would be if there were no adversaries, yes, life would be easy. But we would never be elevated. We don't need an absent adversary. 
We need a present adversary. Something that motivates and something that provokes us. Something that demands us to go a little bit higher than where we are. Understand David had an adversary that came in the form of a lion and a bear. And then that adversary led to a giant named Goliath. And then Goliath led to a man by the name of Saul. And Saul leads to a place called a cave. But you've got to understand David's adversaries were not sent to destroy him. They were sent to advance him. Samuel the prophet anoints David. But his adversaries advance him. You got to understand when the anointing flows from the horn of oil from the prophet Samuel, David goes back to being a shepherd. It's not going to be years down the road until David fulfills the anointing that God just placed on him. And while there's an anointing in David's future, there's some adversaries that David's got to get through in order to get to the throne because sometimes you've just got to settle it. Anointing and adversity go hand in hand. David would have never sat on the throne unless he embraced both. It wasn't the anointing that got him there. It was the adversaries that advanced him to the place God called him to and what anointing could not get him to adversity got him to because David's adversaries allowed him to fulfill the anointing that the prophet put on his life because there's just some places in God's economy that we will never walk in unless we have an adversary in our life what about Joseph Joseph has the interpretation of a dream, but he doesn't have the fulfillment of the dream. So God says, this is where I want Joseph, but Joseph's right here. So in order to get Joseph from where he is to where I want him, I've got to throw some adversity in his life. I'm going to put Joseph in a pit, and the pit's going to lead to Potiphar's house, and then that's going to lead to the prison. But Joseph, don't die in the prison because you're about to walk into the palace, and you're about to sit on the throne. And the Bible says he looks at his brothers and said what you meant for evil God turned it around and he made it good in other words Joseph was saying the only reason I'm sitting here is because I had an adversary what Joseph was really saying was if you wanted me to stay where I was you should have left me alone if you wanted me to just stay a boy that just had dreams, you should have left me with my dreams. You should have left me with my coat of many colors. You should have left me being daddy's favorite. But because you opposed me and because you are my adversary, I understood that before I can get to the throne, there's got to be some adversity. But because Joseph understood this, he's on the throne and there's authority and there's dominion. Can I tell somebody in this house what is sent to eliminate you can be the very thing that elevates you in God's economy. You better thank God there's adversity because it's adversity that pushes us into the next dimension of God. And maybe that's why Joseph could look back on it and say what you meant for evil, 
I understand God used it. And God turned it around and made it good. So can I tell somebody in this house, uh, you can look back at your adversity uh, and say you messed with the wrong marriage uh, and you messed with the wrong family uh, and you messed with the wrong church uh, and you messed with the wrong youth group uh, and you messed with the wrong ministry. Uh, Somebody needs to declare right now, uh, there's adversity in my life. uh, There's devils in my life. uh, But it's because of an adversary. I'm about to go a little higher. I'm about to spread my wings. There's a new dimension that God has called me to and without an adversary I would never get to that place God has not called us to live an easy life he's called us to live an elevated life and sometimes it takes adversaries to get us to that place God wants us to get to even Jesus had to have an adversary Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw him in into me. We understand Jesus was referencing Calvary. But in order for Jesus to be lifted up, that tells me he needs an adversary. And so maybe that's why when Judas comes to betray him and hugs him and kisses him with his kiss of betrayal, Jesus doesn't fight him, but he calls him a friend because Jesus understood in order to get to the place that I'm going to, I've got to have an adversary. Peter doesn't understand this. Peter pulls the sword out and tries to kill a guard. But Jesus says, put your sword up. Because if you live by it, you die by it. But in order for me to get where I'm going, Peter, this has got to happen. I've got to have an adversary. And so the Bible says, Jesus goes to the cross. He could have called down a legion of angels, but he stayed. Because in order to be lifted up, he's got to have adversity. So Jesus says, go ahead. Go ahead and pluck my beard. Go ahead and beat me at the post. Go ahead and nail me to this cross. Go ahead and put a crown of thorns on my head. Go ahead and feed me the vinegar. Go ahead and put a spear in my side. Go ahead and cast lots from my garments. Go ahead and put me in a tomb. But in three days, I'm about to build the temple back up because I'm about to be elevated. I'm about to be lifted up. I've come to tell somebody, if you're going to be elevated, sometimes you've got to have an adversary. Not that destroys you, but advances you and the veil is torn top to bottom and the Bible says Stephen looks up being stoned The Bible says he saw him standing at the right hand of God, meaning he was standing in a place of authority. I'm telling somebody authority sometimes cannot come and elevation sometimes cannot come unless there's adversaries that come that try to destroy us. But when God lets it stay, he's not letting it stay to destroy you. He's letting it stay to elevate you and to advance you. So can I tell somebody, don't curse your adversity. Celebrate your adversity because if God leaves it, he left it for a purpose so can I come to tell this church and people in this church sometimes trials are necessary sometimes adversity is necessary Sometimes struggles and even the devil himself, even though we don't want to admit it. Sometimes the adversary of our soul is necessary because without it, life would be easier, but we would never be elevated. How many times do we go to God in prayer? 
Lord, why this? Why me? Why now? And I've come to learn if God doesn't take it away, it hasn't been sent to destroy me. It's been sent to advance me into a higher level and into a higher dimension. And the Lord wouldn't give me, let me get away from this during worship service. I'm telling some people in this house, you've been wondering why adversity is still there. You've been wondering why the trial is still there. You've been wondering why everything's going on. And I feel like the Holy Ghost would have me to tell somebody that there's a greater dimension on the other side of that adversity. There's a greater anointing on the other side of your adversary. He's called us to live in heavenly places, not in earthly places. And if there is an adversary... On the other side of that trial, there's elevation that's coming. You ought to throw your hands up and celebrate the fact that you're in a fight because on the other side of the struggle, there's elevation that's coming. Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Why don't you throw your hands in the air? Why don't you allow the Holy Ghost to pull you a little bit higher right now in the presence of God? Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost trying to pull somebody right now. There's a reason why it feels like sometimes God elevates the problem. There's a reason why sometimes it feels like the problem magnifies every day that passes. And I've come to learn if God elevates the issue, if God elevates the problem, it hasn't been sent to destroy. It's been sent to elevate in advance. Because the throne in Jerusalem would have been vacant if David didn't meander his way through adversaries. And Egypt would have never survived the famine if somebody didn't understand. I've got to have an adversary to get to that throne. I'm telling people in this house, when you get to the other side of it, you're going to be like Joseph and look back and say, you know what? The devil tried to destroy and the devil tried to take me out and the devil tried to eliminate me but God allowed me to understand he's going to let it stay because there's another place in God's presence. There's another dimension. There's a greater anointing. I'm telling somebody in this house, sometimes God uses the very thing we despise to elevate us because without an adversary we would never get there. Moses runs from his adversary. He runs from Egypt. The Bible says he runs into a burning bush. Jacob runs from his adversary, his brother Esau, but he runs into an angel that he wrestles with. Can I tell us what we run from determines what we run toward. And if you feel like there's an adversary chasing you, don't allow your adversity to chase you out of the presence of God. Let it chase you right into the presence of God. Because on the other side of that burning bush was a boldness to lead Israel out of Egypt. And on the other side of that wrestling match with an angel, Jacob's name was changed. And he never walked the same way again. Because sometimes in order to get from where you are to where God wants you, there's got to be some adversity. God, I feel my help to tell somebody God's pulling and God 
God's beckoning. It's no time to embrace just anointing and refrain from adversity. You've got to have both in order to walk in the fulfillment. Come on, stand all over the house right now and lift your hands. I feel to quit right here. Come on, I wonder as your hands are lifted, you could push past any adversity that you may be dealing with. Push past any trials, any circumstances. Sometimes it takes it to get us to the place God wants us to walk in. Come on, somebody ought to pray in the Holy Ghost right now. Come on, don't worry about what the preacher's doing. I'm finished preaching. We're just following after the Holy Ghost right here. Come on, the Lord is beckoning. The Lord is calling. The Lord is pulling. Why don't you go a little bit higher? Why don't you pray a little bit harder? Why don't you put your trust in me a little bit more? There's places in the Spirit we've never walked in. But in order to get from where we are to where God wants us, it's got to be adversity. Paul would have never got to the third heaven. I don't believe unless there was first a thorn in his flesh. In fact, Paul calls it a messenger that was sent from Satan to buffet him. He said, I prayed every day for this thorn to be removed. It was sent from the adversary to buffet me and to afflict me. But what Paul had to realize is in order to get to the third heaven that we read about, there first had to be a thorn in the flesh. Not that destroyed him, but provoked him. Because God doesn't want us to live a life of ease. He wants us to live an elevated life in the Spirit. And I feel that before this service is over, there's going to be some people that are able to rise above some things that you were facing before you walked in this room. Come on, these altars are open. Some have already moved. I wonder if you wouldn't allow your adversity to keep you in those pews tonight. I wonder if you wouldn't allow what you're dealing with to keep you held back and restricted and restrained. But I wonder if you can make up your mind. I'm stepping out from where I am. And this adversity is not going to destroy. This adversity is about to advance me. I'm about to go into a place in God's presence I've never been before. Because sometimes it takes an adversary. Come on, as they prepare to play, sing whatever they feel to do. Come on, the Holy Ghost is in this house. I wonder if somebody in your mind right now can make up your mind. I'm about to spread my wings a little further. And I'm about to fly a little higher. In a few days from now, I'm going to be able to look back and realize it wasn't sent to destroy. It was sent to advance. Well, why don't you allow the Holy Ghost to minister right now? Come on, why don't somebody tap into intercessory prayer? It's been a while since some of you just lost yourself in prayer. 
It's been a while since some of us just forgot about who was around and who may be watching. Come on, on the other side of the adversary, there's elevation. On the other side of adversity, there's advancement. Elevate us tonight. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.